When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, I'm answering one of your questions texted into the podcast phone line about work-life balance for teachers. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is the fall weather. I have just really been embracing the change of seasons lately and it is doing me well. Um, I just feel like I'm like actually in the moment right now and like enjoying the crisp in the air. I wore a blazer today. I lit candles this morning. I turned on my seat heaters in my car and it's officially fall. Like it's happened. We're in it. (laughs) And my thorn is that I feel like we had one week with the windows open and our, in our house, like we were able to open the windows and just really enjoy that kind of fresh air breeze. And I, I honestly feel like we usually get to wait for turning our heat on in our house until after Halloween. And we turned our heat on last night for the first time. So I'm kind of hopeful that we're going to get like another you know, maybe this is just like a little cold spell and then we'll get back to some of that good like 70 degree weather. We can leave the windows open. I'm not ready to be done with that yet. I'm wanting to be in the moment. (laughs) This is my confession that I'm trying, but you know, that, that little piece is making it hard. And my bud is that I have some leftover ramen in the fridge at the office that I'm having for lunch today and I'm so excited. If you are in Asheville, we go to Ito Ramen, um, usually about once a month. It's like one of our favorite like regular spots to get takeout and I get the house special and it is so good and so spicy and just mm, perfect and I have it just in there waiting for me for lunch and I'm not sure there's a better feeling than that. All right. Let's hear today's question. Hi, Sarah Jane. First, I'm a nine who appreciates your podcast that helps me push through my chores one episode at a time. My house thanks you. (laughs) I love that. Um, I'm so glad I help you with your chores. I am an instructional coach and I see a common thread of educators struggles to balance work and home. The blurred lines often lead to burnout. Often the stress comes from getting it all done, which leads to bringing work home. Regarding work-home balance, could you please share some teacher tips for each Enneagram type? So first of all, thank you for bringing me along while you do chores. That's so nice and I'm absolutely honored. Second, I do wanna be honest and say that I believe teaching is the hardest profession to work this puzzle of any profession I've ever navigated. When I used to do more one-on-one coaching for burnout, I would work with these puzzles out with people directly, and teaching was always the one that was the most difficult. So I just want to honor that it's hard. However, um, I do think I can give some tips, 
some practical tips for each Enneagram type. I think in general, from my understanding, the complication that arises with teaching are around like just having so much work to do outside of the time that you are with students that it feels like you have to take a home. And like I, from what I understand, you get like some lesson planning hours. Sometimes you have your lunch and then you have, you know, a few hours after the students leave. But often that workload is so much higher than the time you have allotted for it and are often given additional responsibilities or expectations that can make it hard to fit work in those hours. So I'm advocating here mostly for boundaries on your time and your scope of work. So knowing what you signed up for, when you agree to your position and making sure that your employer sticks to it and that you stick to it as well, and then making use of your time when you have it. So let's chat through the things that I think could help you in the process of making that time for yourself by Enneagram type. So number one, really what you have here is letting good enough be good enough. And I think the struggle that the ones have is not knowing when good enough is good enough and really struggling with the phrase good enough. So um, sometimes it's helpful to think of it as terms of excellent instead of perfect. So you can do an excellent job, but maybe not hold yourself to the standard of doing an impeccable job or a job that has no flaws in it or can't be improved at all. So what you're looking for here is a standard of excellence that you determine ahead of time that you can hold yourself to that is not just kind of a perpetual improvement. The other thing that you wanna think about is, are there things that you're doing that you're noticing none of your coworkers are doing? That's probably an overgive. I think that's really important for ones. Type two, um, it's important for you to know that you are not on call parents, administration, and even students should not be able to have access to you whenever they want, wherever they want. And your administration cannot ask that of you. So you need to determine what your boundaries are in regard to when you can, when you're contacting people, when you're communicating with people, what are your hours, what hours do you work, and then let your communication rest in those hours. And if people have a problem with that, you can communicate with them those hours. <laughs> These are the hours I'm available for you. These are the hours I will return any calls, texts, or emails, however you prefer to be communicated with. But twos tend to feel this pressure to be accessible at all times to all people because if you are accessible at all times to all people, you could let those people down. And that's not a feeling that twos enjoy feeling. But the reality is that that time that you're, you're making yourself accessible to everyone is limiting the time that you have to do your side work. That's a, maybe a little bit less gratifying because you're not getting thank yous, you're not getting accolades for that. You're just kind of having to sit with paper and or a computer and it's not as stimulating for the two character structure. However, it is obviously necessary. And the more we allow ourselves to be accessible, the less time we have to do that work. And therefore, the more likely our work is gonna bleed into our home life, which is likely to make the people that we care about the most, including ourselves, feel neglected. Type three, measure your success accurately. And what I mean by this is that the success is not determined by your supervisors. What is successful is not up to them, to decide for you. Success is how you feel in your life. 
So if you are burnout, exhausted, not able to access your feelings, not able to focus at home, not able to rest, and you're generally just feeling sad and down and like you're using your entire weekends just to recover so that you can do Monday again, that's not how we define success. We define success by how our life feels, what a general day in our life looks and feels like, and if that is what we want it to be. I think a way to think about this differently is if I could do one day, if I could live a normal day in my life and not have to worry about money or how this, the optics of how this looked to other people, what would a general normal day in my life look like? And then try to create that life for yourself. Is it slow? Do you keep work at work? Do you light a candle when you have your breakfast? Like what little subtle shifts can you make to just enjoy your life more? That is how we measure success because the trap here for our threes is getting caught up in the optics, getting caught up in the approval of your supervisors, wanting them to see how hard you're working and giving you praise and accolades for that hard work. And then in the school system, highly likely it's it's highly likely that that is going unnoticed, unappreciated, and underfunded. And so you're burning yourself out while actively not receiving what you're trying to receive from that. And you need to be able to be your source of satisfaction, not other people, not how they're viewing you, not how they're seeing you, but instead how your life makes you feel. Number four, build yourself up so you can feel confident that you are enough for the job. The trap that fours get caught up in is not thinking that they are adequate, not thinking that they are enough to do the work that they really want to do. So if being a teacher is a job that you really want and you really want to do well at, the four structure is going to say, well, you're not enough for this. You'll never be good enough to be a teacher. You're never going to have what you need to be the best at this. And you need an inner voice that can talk back to that inner, truthfully, that inner critic, right? Like that is like a rude little voice in your head that is not very nice. And it came from somewhere. It does not have to belong to you. It does not have to be your inner voice. You get to talk back to that voice and offer alternate options. I think about a conversation I had with the four recently and they said, well, I told them my age and they made a face at me. So that means that I'm too old to do this. And I was like, okay, validate that feeling, but let's consider other options. Maybe they needed to go to the bathroom really bad and they made a face. Maybe they were surprised by how young you looked. Like there are a million reasons anyone could make a face, so you have to question those stories that you tell yourself about what you're seeing in the world because that initial negative self-belief is often not accurate. It is not data. It is not fact. It is just the story that you've told yourself about what you're observing. So argue with it. Have a dialogue with it. Tell it what it is and isn't. And the reason that this relates to burnout is because our type fours, when you, anyone, any one of us, when we feel inadequate, we feel like we have to compensate for that inadequacy, right? We feel like we need to do more, work harder, you know, 
work twice as hard as everyone else because we have more to prove because we are actually not qualified for this job. So work on having an alternate voice that speaks back to that inner critic type force. Type five, widen your definition of self-care. Sometimes when fives really love their job, they can get so caught up in it that they can see it as self-care. And listen, if I've ever related to a thing for fives, this is it. Like, I understand sometimes our jobs are fun. Sometimes our jobs fulfill us. Sometimes our jobs are just interesting intellectually. And so we can really get a lot of enjoyment out of work. I understand that. And at the same time, it is not replenishing you. It is not... I mean, it might replenish you intellectually and it might replenish you a little bit, but with everything that we love, you know, our partners, our hobbies, our jobs, anything that we love to do, we need to miss it at some point in order to continue the love journey with it. So it's important that we broaden your definition of self-care, that you start to see self-care is also turning work off and spending time with people who pour back into you, um, spending time with just things of frivolous interest, you know, just for the fun of it, enjoying frivolity, because that's going to offer you not only nuance, but it's also gonna offer you deep rest, which is going to make you even more excited about your job. Number six, who are you afraid of letting down? and keep in mind what is appropriate for your position. So type sixes are often very easily overworked because they're very concerned about a few things. They're scared to let people down, right? Their boss or their supervisor, whoever they report to, they wanna make sure that they're not dropping the ball. The other thing that can happen here is they don't trust themselves. So they might think they're not doing enough, there could always be more to do, and so if they're not confident that they've like been sufficient, they might overgive. And also that kind of they can be a catch-all character. You know, okay, I see there's a responsibility over here that's not getting done. Um, is anyone else gonna take that on? Okay, it seems like no one else is. <laughs> Maybe I'll go ahead and take that on. Or when asked, because they're afraid of letting people down, they may jump in and take that over. The other thing that happens here for our sixes is kind of like a comfort with discomfort, kind of being like, you know, I, I kind of like to be grumpy about my job, you know, like there's like a little bit of that energy. And so, um, making sure that you are really looking at it as fact. Okay. What is my job description? What is the job description that I signed up for that I agreed to the pay for? I can't, I can't iterate that enough. And what does that require of me? And be really clear with yourself, create really strict boundaries with yourself, and then stick to those boundaries. Um, You can't let someone down if you're doing your job, right? And if they have expectations of you outside of what they agreed to pay you under the job description you signed on for, then they need to compensate you appropriately. Or you can ask the question, okay, which project, like which of these tasks would you like me to let go of in favor of doing that? It's also a very valid question for our sixes and all of us who struggle to 
to say no. Type seven, what feelings are you avoiding with your work? This is this is what it often is for sevens is, okay, we can kind of put that busy energy into the work environment. So if we're overworking at home, we're, it's often because there's something we'd rather not feel when we're at home. So, you know, how can you be more effective as well in the time that you have available to you at school? Are you spending that kind of lunch hour or that, you know, maybe you want your lunch hour off. I'm not going to judge you for that because we all should. But, you know, those office hours that you have available to you, are you using them as wisely as you could? Do you need to eliminate distractions while you're in those hours so that you can actually get the work done that you need to get done so that you can play when you're home? So, um, you know, making some kind of strict expectations of yourself during that time so that you can more efficiently get things done and really get off when you're, you know, get your time off outside of the workplace. I think oftentimes for our seven structure, it's like we wanna mix work and play a lot. So maybe we take like papers to the bar to grade, um, or maybe we socialize during our office hours because that's more fun. And we think I'll just take the work home, but then taking the work home ends up being frustrating because sevens, surprise, surprise, we struggle with over-prioritizing momentary satisfaction and then deprioritizing future satisfaction. So what we really need to think about as sevens is what sacrifices can present me make so that future me can be satisfied. That comes into play in so many areas of our lives, right? Like present me will put back that $100 trampoline that I found at Target because future me would like to buy a house present me is going to close my door, turn off my phone during my office hours because she has papers to grade. And so that future me can go to the bar with a friend instead of taking my work there, if that sounds more fun. Number eight, what is it that you're doing simply to avoid feeling weak? When you notice the inner dialogue of like, I can't ask for help here. If I admit that I can't do this and that's weak or I should be able to handle this. That's the mm, that's the kicker one. Like I should be able to handle this. That's the thing you need to let go of. That's the thing you need to ask for help for. That's the thing you need to, you know, take off your plate or to do as, you know, get support in. That's your indicator that you should ask for help. And type nine, practice taking time to think before you say yes. So this is the trap of the nine, is they never wanna say no. They never let, want to like disappoint anyone they, because they're afraid if they disappoint people, then they're gonna lose that connection. But they also, and they also like take time to really understand how they feel. So when you say, hey, type nine, can you take on this new responsibility? Well, it feels really nice to say yes, because then that person's going to be happy with you. You're not really sure how you feel about it yet, so you might as well just say yes. But then, you know, a day, two days later, all of a sudden, this feels bad because you've had time to really digest how you feel, what you want, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. So 
Type nine's the secret to your life, <laughs> the secret to burnout recovery and prevention for you is to just say, let me think about it. That sounds fun or that sounds good, but let me think about it and give you my honest answer tomorrow or two days from now. And then let yourself really think about it. Do you really wanna do that? Or you just wanted to say yes instead of no. And giving yourself that time is gonna help you to be more honest with how you feel, but also help you to be able to say no, not right to their face, right? So if you are gonna say no, you can, you know, send a text, make a phone call, send an email, whatever you need to do to just say like, hey, this isn't something I can handle right now. Thank you for thinking of me, but um, I'm not really the right fit at this time. Totally fine to do, totally fine to say, easier to do when you've had a little bit of time and space. And also, like I said, like giving you time and space to even know what you want to do and how you feel. So that's your secret, practice taking time to think before saying yes, saying, let me think about it. So that's what I have for you guys today in terms of burnout for our teachers. But I mean, you know, I think this is for anyone. And again, I just, I really wanna honor the difficulty of making this time while at the same time encouraging you to truly advocate for yourself without fear. You deserve respect for the work that you do. You deserve to do the job you were hired for, the job that you are being compensated for, and to be compensated for additional responsibilities. And the truth is like the schools depend on you just as much as you depend on them, if not more, right? Like that is, it is not your job to bend over backwards, to kill yourself, to please your school system. As a reminder, if you have any of your Grime questions you would like answered, you can call or text them into 828-338-9127. And as always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I'll see you tomorrow for the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.